Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What a ridiculous start to the 2022 season, guys. Uh, I wish I could come out a lot more energetic because hopefully we would have done a good thing and won our season finale, home season finale, but we didn't do that. We came out flat, uh, starting off 2022 very badly, but don't worry, it's going to get better because we still have a Super Bowl run ahead of us. It's about to get started, and everybody takes a step back every once in a while before they go on to greatness. So welcome to the Blue Stable Podcast. As always, I am Michael Tarazas. Joined by me, as always, Rashad McGinnis. And get this, guys. After two months on vacation, someone decided to bring their presence back onto the show, okay? Now, I noticed something a little bit different when we were talking pre, uh, pre-show. I haven't raised my voice as much. There hasn't been so much, too much arguing on the show and everything. Me and Rashad, we really just, it's just a Zen moment. Nothing but peace, okay? <laughs> just, just peace going on. Uh, but guys, let me get right to it. Destin Adams has returned to the show. Destin, uh, after two months becoming Papa Bear. How's it feel? Yeah, I mean, Rashad, you're going to have to send me um, the bill for all the therapy you probably had to go to go through for these past couple of months with just you and Michael. <laughs> I remember it. I remember just being alone with Michael on podcast, man. It's it'll drain you. It'll it'll drain you. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'd call it a vacation. I feel like vacation. You get a rest a lot. Uh, you, you, you get to. Um, unplug a little bit. You just yeah. get to enjoy the time away. Um, becoming a dad has been really cool. It's been really cool. Um, my son, his name's Grayson Allen Adams, not to be confused with Grayson Allen on the Bucks. Um, but it's been it's been real. It's been really cool. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I missed you guys. I missed being on the show. I missed talking Colts. Um, I mean, with other people, I've been basically just talking at the wall and my son doesn't really talk to me back yet <laughs> when I talk to him about the Colts, but it's good to be back. I'm, I'm here to save Rashad. I'm here to save every, all the listeners um, from Michael Tarazas's reign. Right, right. Hey, man, I don't know about you, but I have two 1K liked tweets in the month of December, so I'm on a good roll, all right? Uh, but before we get into all this uh, what happened this past Sunday. I do want to give a, uh, Destin a chance to talk about 
you know, he's been gone for much of the season, uh, taking care of his responsibilities. So I do want to give him the floor real quick for a little bit amount of time to talk about what he's seen throughout this season, the development, or not really the development, but Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, how this team has performed thus far. So, Destin, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been an interesting couple of months for the Colts. I mean, they have probably gone from one of the slowest starts to one of the hottest teams in the NFL um, as of late. Um, being able to knock off the Patriots, being able to knock off the Bills like they did, being able to go ahead and knock off the Cardinals on Christmas Day. A lot of these games that a lot of people penciled in as losses before the season, um, the Colts found a way to get the win. Um, obviously, we're coming off a loss at home. We end the year four and five at home. Um, so getting that extra game at home uh, didn't go in the Colts' favor like everyone thought it would with that ninth game. It's, 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 a, weird, it's a weird NFL year. Um, it's, a, it's a weird Colts year. But, I mean, I think this team has shown that they can compete with anybody, and I'm, I'm not all that worried, even coming off the loss. I mean, you got to go take care of business at Jacksonville. Um, you haven't won there since 2014, which is a wild stat when you think about it. 2014. Um, I can't remember what I was doing in 2014. Um, but, but apparently it was not watching the Colts win at Jacksonville. His mic just steps away. <laughs> but I mean just in general I think the Colts are going to be a team that I think they'll get into the playoffs personally after the couple of months I think they've proven that they're a playoff team I think they're going to get there um you just, just got to win I mean that was the case this last week winning you get in that that mentality still got to be there but you you can't do what you did this past week um the team came out with no life um they acted like a team that didn't have a lot of practices together this past week and that just can't happen even if you don't have practices together i mean frank craig said it i mean if you're on the field you have to play like you're ready to play um and the guys didn't do that whether that's carson whether that's the defense whether that's special teams don't get me started about special teams my gosh you got to show up. You just got to show up. doesn't matter who you're playing. Um, the Jaguars just lost, just put let, let a rookie quarterback put up 50 points on them. So, yeah. So, yeah, I was going to give the floor to Rashad, trying to let him get some words in, but uh, no, I wanted a good intro like Dustin got, man. You got oh, okay. to, yeah, man. To, All to right, Rashad. Uh, welcome I hand to the to show, own. man. You know, I, I got to say, we've missed you for the past four <laughs> days. We haven't seen each other. Um, so please take the floor on what Destin said. Oh no, nah, man, uh, Destin was absolutely right. Uh, the coach just came out and just laid an egg. Uh, it was one of the worst starts that we had this season since earlier in the year. Uh, I know most of you guys are not as familiar with seeing the coach play from behind because we just haven't been behind a lot. You know, recently we was coming off of what ten straight, eleven straight double digit uh, leads that we've jumped out to. So seeing us play from behind, we got down 10 nothing. It was unfamiliar territory, but the coaches just, just got outplayed flat out this game. Um, the offense didn't play well. They started out real sluggish, never really got to a, a real good flow. The defense, they started out slow, uh, kind of heated up, started to play a little bit better. Uh, we forced a couple turnovers, won a turnover battle, didn't score any points off those turnovers. And when you play like that in the NFL, you know, you, you can't win ball games like that. So I, I'm assuming it was just a just a trap game, you know, kind of caught us off guard. We we coming off a big win that we had, a big couple wins, actually. And, and we was due for a letdown game. And if this is the worst loss of, 
of, of the season, then I, I'm perfectly fine with it. Hey, and I, I'll, I'll get it started here. I mean, we're, we're going to get into it right now. Colts drop their home season finale 20 to 23 last second field goal from Carlson, who has hit all kinds of game winning uh, field goals the last couple of years. And that's just been the Raiders MO. Uh, the Raiders are a streaky team. I mentioned that uh, when we did the preview, Rashad, this is not going to be an easy game. This isn't going to be all that. I thought they would make it interesting and I didn't expect the Colts to come out the way that they did. Um, like you guys said, they were lifeless. They didn't have any energy, you know, watching the TV, watching Carson trot out there, walking, no energy. Looks like he doesn't even want to be there. Uh, like just from when I saw that, I'm like, dude, like this isn't, this isn't uh, measuring up to what can be a win. So y'all know how we do it, man. We get into the good, the bad, the ugly, and let's get into it. The first thing I'm going to start with is Frank Wright calling out players. He didn't necessarily say names. He's not going to come out here like those other, uh, some other coaches have done in the past and call out certain guys. He's just came out and said plainly, he was asked Carson missing practice this week. Did that affect him in the game? He said, this late into the year, everybody misses practice time. Everybody's dealing with something, but you're still expected to go out there and perform the way that you need to. And that's all you need to say. He doesn't need to say Carson. He doesn't need to say Braden. He doesn't need to say Ken. He doesn't need to say those things because I guarantee you he mentioned that in the locker room. He said that, and that's going to be emphasized in practice, practice this week. We all always say Frank Reich doesn't hold anybody accountable, which is the dumbest, one of the dumbest things. And there's some doozies about Frank Reich. It's one of the dumbest things I've heard a take on Frank Reich. So uh, calling out the players, making it known that you guys got to step up, especially the ones in the biggest positions on this team. That was one of the things that I wanted to highlight. Yeah, I mean, every game, every loss specifically for the Colts this year. It's very similar um, amongst Colts fans. It's blame Frank Reich season, every game, every loss. Um, for somehow, some way, the play calling gets brought up. Uh, I just want to take this time just to remind Colts fans, because I've not been on here for a couple of months, like we said, to open up, how bad play calling is across the league. Because um, I, I just don't think that Colts fans understand how well they have it. Um, just wanted to throw that in there. Not every loss has to do with play calling. And if you could watch this last loss and think the play calling was even a top five issue in that game, you're ridiculous. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't know what to tell you. Um, you obviously have a little bit of clouded judgment when it comes to Frank Reich for whatever reason that is. Um, and then to touch a little bit on the calling players out. I mean, I don't know how many good coaches, ever bash players in the media um like you're gonna get the very typical answers i mean baker mayfield he struggled the last couple of weeks when stavansky gets on the podium do you hear him bash baker when they ask him questions he says baker knows he has to do better like he like, like coach talk is always going to be the same coaches are never going to give the media the same responses they're giving the locker room but i mean i think this was very uncharacteristic of Frank Reich this past week. I think he gave it a little more. I think he mentioned how the guys just didn't come ready to play. Um, he, he took some blame um, for the team not coming out prepared because he probably was embarrassed um, that this team went out there and put that out. I mean, but every player that's caught, 
that's talked to the media that we've been able to hear from now blames themselves. Each one of them. Um, Naeem Hines doesn't even have as big of a role as some of these other guys that have been out, but he, he took blame saying that he, that he came out and he felt like um, they looked at the team they were facing and they didn't put up as much effort. And that can't happen, especially when the team you're facing is a playoff caliber team. Yeah, man. I mean, Frank Wright never been the type of guy to, to make excuses. He's always held people accountable. I mean, I think due to his temperament, uh, his his demeanor, um, his beliefs, you know, he's not he's never gonna come in there and throw anybody under the bus. That's just not who he who he is as a person. But if you listen to him closely after years of like like we have been for years, you would know when Frank Reich is saying that a guy needs to play better. And, and the things that he's saying in front of that camera ain't the same things that he's saying behind them, them closed doors in that locker room. Uh, Frank Reich has the respect from all of his players. Everybody I know that has coached with him or, or played for him all speak on his accountability. And he's the first to take accountability for, for different things. He's straightforward. He, he's not uh, one of these guys that's going to bullshit you. You know, Frank Reich is a stand-up guy uh, as a person. And, and he's definitely going to hold each and every person accountable. And if you listen to what he says, He's basically said Carson has to play better. Carson, know, Carson knows that Carson has to play better. It, it, it's simple as that. Just like Frank Rice stood in the hot seat when people were saying that he needed to give up play calling, was asking for Marcus Brady to take over play calling, and they asked Frank Wright about it. Ha, has he given it any thought? Just like, he answered straight up, no, I haven't given it any thought. And he would be stupid to, you know. Frank Wright, like I said in so many other podcasts before this one. Um, I think he's a top 10 offensive mind in the NFL uh, and his ability to scheme up different things and his play calling is just fine. Frank is definitely a, a, a gem that we don't appreciate enough as coach fans. I know we do up here and we all think highly of Frank, but just him as a whole, people is really, really spoiled by Frank Wright and, and Chris Ballard for that matter. Definitely, definitely. Moving on here with the good guys. I want to highlight Rocky Sin and Isaiah Rogers. Honestly, I still think that they had a respectable game. Uh, clearly, Isaiah Rogers probably having the better day of the two. How about that? Running stride for stride looked like easily stride for stride with Deshaun Jackson going down the sideline, out jumping him for a ball, getting an interception, trying to take it back, but gets tackled. Rocky Sin, obviously, Derek Carr got out of the pocket threw across his body for some reason, trying to hit Zay Jones. Rockison noticed it, and honestly, I thought he should have held on to that ball, but in real time, tough hitting catch. the ground and everything, that's a tough catch to make. That's why he's a corner, not a wide receiver. But it, it was a good day overall. Now, there's another corner we'll get into later in the show that we weren't really happy with, but I do got to highlight, again, still, even when Xavier Rhodes went out, obviously Isaiah Rogers is going to see every snap after that. And today, Frank Reich did say Xavier Rhodes is day-to-day with a hamstring issue. So he is day-to-day. But Isaiah Rogers, Rocky Sin, again, showed good. Uh, they were composed. Technique still was there. They didn't panic too much. Uh, clearly, you know, they'll lose a couple reps because, like we say, Raiders are a good foot. They're a streaky football team. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight them again and it, it was, it was a loss. So I'm not going to highlight them too much, but still there are some good, uh, shining lights in this game. I mean, I think the corners overall this season have just 
outplayed expectations, um, especially um, Xavier, I mean, Isaiah Rogers and Rocky Sin. Um, Rocky Sin, I mean, the fact that quarterbacks have gotten to the point where they barely target him, I mean, that's crazy. Um, from the from the rock that we've known and loved, I mean, we, we watched Aaron Rodgers pick on that boy last year. Like, we watched him terrorize him. Um, rock has mechanically fixed a lot of his game up. Um, I don't know if you want to give um, Coach Rowe a lot of that credit, if you want to give him Xavier Rhodes a lot of that credit um, as the veteran leader that um, Rocky Sin really speaks highly of mentally like that. So, you, you got to give Rock a lot of credit for his, his ability to bounce back after a year where his name has just been in all Colts fans' mouths over the offseason. And he's stepped up. I mean, Xavier Rhodes leaves the game. Isaiah Rogers has to play on the outside, a place that when he was drafted was not thought of to be playing on the outside. They thought of him as a return specialist who, if they needed him to, can play a little slot corner, a little undersized for that outside spot has shined when given the sp- the spotlight on the outside. Multiple interceptions this year, multiple deflections. And then the interception this past week, like you said, he ran stride for stride with Deshaun Jackson, an older Deshaun Jackson for sure, and Isaiah Rogers being a little bit of a speedster-type corner. Um, but he makes the play, gets the interception, gets a little return going. They aren't able to score off of it, so we'll get to the bat a little, a little later, of course. But – Isaiah Rogers has been really impressive. I still think you need one more corner um, after the season, but those two are guys that are going to be really good, solid corners to have in that room for years to come. Uh, yeah. If there was a most improved player award that was given out at the end of the season, it would have to be Rockerson, you know, just the way he's came from, from last year, like Dustin say, the game, uh, Aaron Rodgers picked on him. He did catch an inception that game though. He baited, baited a ride in the, uh, in the cover too, but Rock has came such a long way, man. His coverage ability, trusting his technique now, it, he's trusting it now more than ever. He used to bail on it, panic, reach out, grab. We all know Rock had the grabbies. Uh, they used to always, they used to always blame his wrestling background. I, I hate it every time he caught a penalty. It, it was always, well, you know, he was he he was a former wrestler, so he tends to grab a lot which whether it was that reason or not, it was no excuse for him to do what he was doing. But now he's just trusting his technique. And, and when he does get beat or somebody gets a step on him, he's making up that ground. You know, he's trusting his ability to recover. He's playing through hands really well. He's getting his head around a lot more than he was last year. Rock, Rock has been solid. And who would have thought one of our biggest question marks on our roster was CB2 coming into the season and, Rock has basically ascended to the team CB1 with Xavier Rose struggling early and, and with his injuries. And as we can see, he still it re-injured himself now. So he's going to be day-to-day. But Isaiah Rogers, speaking on him, uh, the kid can ball, man. He showed flashes in a Buffalo game last year. And it was ironic that he made his first start of his career against Buffalo this year. And he kind of hasn't looked back since he, since he made that start. He played well in that game. The, the kid's trajectory is through the roof. Like Dustin said, they brought him in as really a special teams guy. He wasn't even a primary backup to Kenny Moore because that's why they went out and signed T.J. Carey, as, who was going to be the primary backup to Kenny Moore. But he was forced into outside action due to injuries or rock struggling last year. So once T.J. Carey went down, it opened the door for Isaiah Rodgers. And, and he's been fl- he flashed last year, and he's been putting together a string of good performances this year. 
And and who knows, man, maybe the need for cornerback is not as pressing as we thought it was. Uh, I know heading into this season, I remember Dustin had it as a top need. I think it was your number one need, right? Yeah, yes. and I think, yeah, and I think um, with the play of Rodgers and, and Rockison, it kind of pushed it down the board a little bit. Still, still think you should grab a veteran probably, especially if you're going to let Rose walk. I think you should grab a veteran. Um, somebody's not going to break the bank, but some guy that's, that's versatile enough to play on the outside and has the length that you're looking for because, like you said, Isaiah Rodgers is a smaller cornerback. Yeah, trading up and getting Ahmad Gardner is definitely going to be one of the better moves Ballard's going to make this offseason. So we all should expect that move coming to be uh, greatness because we already should, know he's the, leave this he's, the, he's the top executive in the league. We already know that. Where's uh, but the another, mute, where's the mute Michael button? Oh, oh right. <laughs> well, I'm the host, so you can't mute mute, mute me. So. I, leave, I, leave, I leave for two months. And this guy gets power. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, linebackers, linebackers in this game. I mean, from Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, Zaire Franklin. The, these guys are just improving, and um, really, I would just want to highlight Bobby Okereke. Honestly, we'll get into Darius Leonard in here in a little bit, but. Bobby Okariki quietly is having a really, really, really good season. Really good season. He's all over the place. The discipline is there. He's not false stepping too much. He knows where he needs to be, knows where he's going. He's all over the place. And that's what I texted, or not texted, tweeted yesterday during the game. Offense is sputtering. Defense is kind of reeling right now. And they're all over the place making tackles. Bobby Okereke had nine in the game. Darius Leonard clearly obviously had that great interception. But also just getting into, we are in the good, but that play that really just lost us the game. Derek Carr stepping up in the pocket. Darius Leonard, he's literally right there. Like he's literally standing right in front of him and he jumps to try and bat a pass down. Now, again, what I say, take with the smallest grain of salt, but all I know when I was a linebacker in high school, my coach, my position coach always told me, don't do no stupid shit and chase a quarterback and try and jump and bat the ball down. No, chase his ass down and put him down. Make him make that throw with you knowing, making him know, you're coming after him. That was the perfect example right there. Don't try and jump and bat the bat the ball down. Drive your shoulder into his chest and challenge him and dare him to step into that throw and make that throw. Right there, especially already having four seasons of tape on this guy. You know who Derek Carr is already. You Darius Leonard has played Derek Carr every single season of his career. He should know his tendencies. And horrible decision, first off. I In real time, I'm like, why the fuck are you even jumping in the first place? Dude, sack the dude. Where else is he going to go? The pocket is collapsing. Tackle him. And it's just one of the stupidest plays of the day in my – probably the most stupidest play of the day that lost us the game and kind of uncharacter, uncharacteristic of Darius, who did have a solid game in it kind of almost gets forgotten by one play but overall the linebackers in general played a good game I did just want to highlight that one thing about Darius Leonard but overall plays were made they were all over the place we'll get into the defense a little bit later on but linebackers they are looking up 
I mean, we only slightly said his name here, but I mean, I think it might be time to at least have the conversation. Is, is Zaire Franklin been an upgrade to Anthony Walker this year? Ooh. Mm. When Zaire Franklin's mm. asked to drop back in coverage, he is nowhere near as much of a liability as Anthony Walker was. Nope. Because he was I just didn't see a large enough sample size. I mean, at that spot, I don't need Zaire Franklin to be top five in teams and tackles. I don't, I don't need. I don't need him to. I mean, that's what Anthony Walker uh, made his money in. That's what he got his next contract with the Browns on. Um, he, he was that guy, one of those guys that would lead the Colts in tackles or be in that top three realm. But for what they're asked to do, if you put them both in front of me, I think I'd rather have Zaire Franklin. If you add in the the, the, the special teams contributions too, well, I mean, there's that as well. I mean, then there's the, I mean, the team likes him, has enough respect for him that he's voted as a team captain. Right. Um, so you can also throw that in there. I mean, also put both their contracts next to each other. And most people are probably taking Zaire Franklin in general, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying as a player next to a player at the same yeah. position, I think it's at least a conversation at this mm-hmm. point of what they're asked to do. Because again, I just don't see as much of a liability in Zaire, any part of Zaire Franklin's game. I don't think, I think the highest port uh, the highest part of Anthony Walker's game is better than the highest part of Zaire Franklin's game. But I think the floors of both those players, Zaire Franklin's floor is light years higher than Anthony Walker's in my opinion. Light years. Light years. Light years. Wow. I saw I saw a Buzz Lightyear trailer earlier. I wonder if that's the reason that was definitely head. why is that <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. Wow. Hey, like, like- hey, real real quick, did any of y'all happen to catch uh Antonio Brown's new mixtape? Um, I have not. This he's dude court- fucking. This dude fucking sucks, man. He he's he, 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 he at the Nets game right now. Did you look, see that? He, he ain't leaving. He ain't leaving New York. Here, here's my theory. Okay, real real quick, just getting off topic. Oh, this here's, podcast is here's my a theory. Turn. Here's my theory. Antonio Brown never came back to play football. He only came back to get enough money to pay the producer to create a fire beat to cover up how trash his lyrics are. And as soon as he made enough money, he bounced. Really? That's my theory. A, you think he had an alarm on his phone on the sideline? <laughs> that, that, that's my theory. His, his alarm finally went off and he said, all right. He got it. No, he kept his phone with him. <laughs> he kept his phone with him at all times. And when the agent texted him, hey, man, it's done. Boom. Is it a coincidence that he released it two hours after? Is it a Vegas coincidence? Secured. I don't know if we should ever assume anything about Antonio Brown. I don't think you should ever act like you understand what's happening with Antonio Brown. Oh, Jesus. I think everybody should just take time to uh, hope that Antonio Brown gets the help he needs um, to be back to uh, being a sane human. Um, I mean, I think that's all you can say. It was a very entertaining uh, way to go out on his end. I mean, you go back to um, our, our boy Vontez Davis, clocking out at halftime um i mean he, he didn't make a show about it i mean if, if, if antonio brown wanted to beat clocking out at halftime for a game for the bills i mean he, he found a way to do it 
Hey, if any of y'all start stripping on this podcast, I'm out. Y'all ain't gonna have to leave. I'm leaving. So, oh Mike, man, keep your shirt on uh, <laughs> at all times. <laughs> oh, dude, what a crazy, crazy thing! Blue Stale uh, podcast continue. shirts required. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. No, no walking off set or anything. No, n- no, none of that. No making mixtapes either. Oh, I mean, that's what I've been really doing for two months, y'all. <laughs> I mean, if you do, at least be good at the lyrics because Antonio Brown sucks. All right. But I go listen to that. The way you hey, I, I, I will. Uh, Destin, <laughs> you and I have been making bets lately. How much do you want to bet Antonio Brown going to fight one of the Paul brothers? <sighs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think the Paul brothers, I think, I think they're past his caliber of fighting. <laughs> he, yeah. he, I, I, put, I put money on that he ends up fighting on one of their undercards. Oh, hey, maybe, Jesus. Maybe, maybe he fights Darren Williams next after Darren Williams fight- decided to kill Frank Gore last or night. Or he fights Frank No, No. <laughs> All right, Darren guys. Williams is not allowed to fight any more football players. No, man. Uh-uh. Yeah, let him, let, him, let him go fight a tennis guy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> go mess gosh, with other geez. sports. Right. <laughs> Getting back on track here, guys. Rashad was about to continue with his thought on the linebackers. Baker Mayfield is five for 17 right now for 65 yards. He sucks. Look. Linebackers. Uh, linebackers played a great game. Um, Darius Leonard, he, well, I won't say forced two turnovers, but he did force a fumble. And that we wasn't able to recover, just got out of bounds on us. And he caught an intercept, beautiful intercept. Uh, he had his responsibility, the guy in the flat, uh, read Derek Carr's eyes, went back towards the middle of the field. Derek Carr never saw him. You could tell he locked in on a guy on the crosser and tried to hit him. Darius Leonard made a great play back. Is it me or does Darius Leonard runs side to side more than he does straightforward it's it's, it's gotta be that, that ankle man yeah it's gotta yeah. because if you look back at how fast Darius Leonard was his first couple of seasons man like when, when you watch Darius Leonard with the ball in his hands I mean if you put him and Philip Rivers next to each other I'm just kidding he's not that slow I was about uh, to say, uh, he's that, not that, that, that why that is he even a linebacker this ain't 1970 it's not, he's not that slow but that ankle has got to be affecting that man more than more than we think um, because when he gets the ball in his hands, like he goes like zero to five. Is that uh, not a <laughs> testament to his greatness, though? Like he's oh, able he's to out make there. these yeah. plays on the yeah. bum ankle, and like, not even in the discussion. Uh, and again, do I, would I give him defensive player of the year? No, I would not give him the trophy. That's not what I'm saying. But the fact that like we'll hear eight guys get named, yeah, Arius Leonard isn't in the discussion. That's yeah. ridiculous. Who would you give it to right now, Dustin? Who would you? I'm curious. Who would you give it to? So I'll be honest. I I understand that the popular opinion is probably T.J. Watt um, because he's going to lead the the league in sacks. Dustin, don't do this. But I'm going to say someone that I know that Michael isn't going to like. But I think I'd give it to Micah Parsons over T.J. Watt total, just because I think Micah Parsons real quick, guys, let me just a different. I think Micah Parsons. All right, let me mute this guy because he always he yeah, see. See, this is the thing when Michael gets his power. <laughs> nah, nah, he, Michael nah. gets his power. Okay, but like Dustin, continue, I'll, I'll, continue. I want to say this. I understand that you're not the biggest Michael Parsons guy, but I want to say this: like when a guy can come in with a mentality and like that grit and just change the entire culture of the defense or the offense. So like what I when I see Michael Parsons doing in the locker room to change that Cowboys defense, I mean. And I understand the coach is getting a lot of credit for that as well, but I don't think it's a, 
coincidence that Micah Parsons comes in, has that grit, and now the entire defense is kind of fighting with that grit. It kind of reminds me of the personality that Joe Burrow has and what he's done to the Cincinnati Bengals. Like the Bengals offense and the Bengals locker room has always kind of been boring. Um, The Bengals um, locker room has always kind of been vanilla. There's nothing vanilla about that Bengals locker room now. Like they are some cocky son of bees, man, in in Cincinnati. And that's just because Joe Burrow – pass that on to the entire locker room. I feel like Micah Parsons done a lot of that too. And yeah. I just think Micah Parsons has improved the Cowboys defense so much that I would give him the award over TJ Watt, even though if I had to make a bet right now, TJ Watt probably wins it. I mean, and he's going to get defense and he's going to get defense of the rookie of the year for it. Dustin, yeah. not so, defensive player of the year. <laughs> so here's my thing. I mean, Micah Parsons is already the rookie defensive player. That he won the reward like back in week 10 or something like that. So, I mean, there's as no soon there. as soon as they decided to let him rush the quarterback. Right. I mean, TJ Watt got three sacks right now. He's already Micah Parsons is already the runaway. He's very good. Are we surprised? by what Michael Parsons is doing. I mean, what? He was probably already, what, the best athlete in this past draft. I mean, why would you not have him rushing the quarterback? But I wouldn't necessarily say... Can you imagine if he was rushing the quarterback the entire year, I though? Would, they waited I mean, to week six. We they are. Waited, I mean, 2022, week, we're about to see it because we're about to see him in 2022. So Week six was the first week that they allowed him to have over 50% of his snaps be rushing the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I, that, thought, that's I thought ridiculous. you were about to say that's, that's the first time he coaching. let him rush. I'm like, I saw him rush in week no, one. But no. um, it was the first – it was similar to like how the Cardinals did Hassan Reddick for all those years. Yeah. Six, first six weeks. I, I was getting worried. I never understood why he's man. playing middle linebacker, by the way. I never understood that. But with Micah, I wouldn't necessarily say he's transformed this defense because they already got Randy Gregory, uh, Demarcus Lawrence's cheeks. I think having yeah. a guy like – Trevon Diggs, having a guy, you know, whatever the case may be, that's what's transformed it, in my opinion. Michael Parsons, to his credit, of course, he's already changing it. Uh, Randy Gregory coming back, having all these pressures and everything. Demarcus Lawrence getting his ass pancaked every week. That, in my opinion, is what, huh? A new defensive coordinator. As new well. defensive coordinator bringing that, bringing that energy to them. Clearly, that already makes it. Right now, to me, it's between T.J. Watt and Darius Leonard to me, and it's probably going to go to T.J. Watt, me personally. I mean, for Trayvon, look, even no. if he didn't make the change to corner, he would be a first-round wide receiver out of Alabama. I mean, the traits were there. He was already, a, what, a five-star wide receiver coming out of high school already. So those track downs, and also we can't forget the gauntlet of quarterbacks he's gone against Mike Glennon, Jalen Hurts, Taylor Heineke, Kirk Cousins, all these guys, you know, Hall of Famers right here. Trayvon also, Diggs better not finish in the top five of defensive player. Of the he's NFL. going to. He's going to. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. He better he, not. He wears the star in his helmet. That's cool. But you are not allowed to lead the league <laughs> in, in yards allowed as a corner. Yep. That man has allowed over 1,000 yards. Close to 1,100, yep. It's not that he's allowed a lot. He's allowed the most in the NFL. Right. The most. Right. So you like you're gonna tell me, and you know why he has so many interceptions? Because quarterbacks are scared to throw at that man. <laughs> right. I, I right. think his nickname should be quarter because I think 
Trayvon Diggs reminds me of a quarter. When you just flip it and you call heads or tails, it, it, the quarterback calls tails, and if it lands on heads, darn it, Trayvon Diggs is going to pick me off this time. <laughs> but when it, lands, when it lands on heads, you're going 75 yards to the house. Yeah, he's averaging 90 yards per intercept. Yep. 90 hey. yards per intercept. There's me, just personally, no I'm just looking at the impact you're having and – I mean, really, again, Mike Glennon, Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke, Jalen Hurts, both of those quarterbacks twice, Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes when he was in a slump. I mean, what have you really shown me? Oh, don't forget about getting torched by Teddy Bridgewater. I just got to put all that. It's between TJ Water, Darius Leonard, in my opinion, but it'll probably go to TJ Watt. We are still in the good segment of what we've seen from this yeah, past yeah, Sunday's game. Let's run through let's, the good. Let's get through it ain't the last good. two guys. The last two guys I want to highlight, Mo Ali Cox and Matt Pryor. Mo Ali Cox, in my opinion, I mean, he didn't have the greatest game. He had three receptions for 28 yards, but they were timely receptions. They were at two first downs when we needed them the most. I mean, at least someone is stepping up. If we're truly going to get on the Super Bowl run, someone each week is going to have to step up and make timely catches because we already see the last three games I've watched already, went back and watched, coverage is throwing all the way at Michael Pittman. Someone's got to help. Someone's got to bring something. And Especially I in the wanna, playoffs, they're taking your number one yes, receiver away. Yes. I mean, I like Michael Pittman. I think he is a number one receiver in the NFL earlier than I expected him to be. Um, but he's not no Devontae Adams. Yes, he's that you, guy you who's going to beat double teams. Not take away yet. Like, I yeah. think he might, he might be able to get to the point where he can um, overcome that kind of stuff. It's not happening this year. No. Now, about Moali Cox, I'm going to die on the hill that says – if Moali Cox does what any veteran receiving option in the NFL does on that third down right before the field goal attempt to tie it and breaks his route when Carson Wentz is running forward, we win that football game. Just plain and simple. That's a first down. Hits the two-minute warning right then and there. You're going to be able to run the clock down more. You're not giving – you're getting – like, uh, we're winning that football game. Moali Cox, that was up there – for one of the dumbest plays I saw in the entire day. Like, I just don't understand how a veteran in the NFL throws his hands up asking for the ball with a linebacker in front of him, no one behind him, and isn't running upfield. My 10-year-old brother knows how to use the joystick on his controller to send a guy breaking out his route on Madden. Marley Cox has to break that route. Yep. I agree totally, man. Marley Cox, uh... You know, some people are going to say he's not a natural football player. He, he was taught to play football, really molded from a, a bowl of clay is, is what Mo Cox came from. But it, it's inexcusable. You know, he's he's got to know that. Um, it just comes with playing the game. He should have a feel for the game now in his fourth year. Uh, Mo Cox is a mixed bag. Some days you're going to get production out of him. Some, some plays you're going to be going to be boneheaded things. He's going to run the wrong route or he's going to drop a pass or still miss a block, but he makes some amazing plays. We've seen him make an amazing play against the Raiders in the past, as a matter of fact, but man, Moelle Cox, uh, it's a sad day when we're saying the good is a guy who finished with three catches and how many yards you said? 28, 28, 28 yards. It's the most yards he's had in the last two months. I mean, I mean, three catches for 28 yards. I mean, 
what, what would that be like eighth total um, out of our receiving group this year? I mean, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, and he's, that, he that, still that, probably that hasn't just, even broken 300 receiving yards on the year. That so. was, that was disrespectful, but uh, I, I do want to, uh, we got to get, we got to give a shout out to uh, Chris Ballard on picking up prior and right before the season started. I mean, that, that he saw, yes. he saw how bad these tackles looked um, while we were waiting on to see how long Eric Fisher would be out. Um, he looked at Davenport um, in training camp and said, yeah, there's there's no chance I roll him out week one. Um, and obviously he's going to end up having to because he's not able to get Pryor right away. But he gets Matt Pryor, who honestly has been solid. Like, I think Matt Pryor can be a swing tackle. And not only can he be a swing tackle, you found a guy that's able to play both guard spots. He can play both tackle spots. He can play both guard spots and do it at a competent level. Yes, that's inc- and all he had to give up for it was a swap. Of he gave up a sixth, and he got prior in a seventh. That that's incredible. That that's incredible. You, go. you got to love Chris Bauer. Another guy we didn't say who I think had a, another really good day. Who's just really come on the second half of the season's Quiddy Pay. Um, I'm speaking to all Colts players right now when I say this. Let Quiddy Pay have his own sacks. Um, like, like what's what is this jumping on all Quiddy Pay sack crap? Quiddy Pay should have ended the day yesterday with eight pressures and two sacks, but instead he ends the day with one total sack because <laughs> Kamoku Toure has to jump on Derek Carr's ankles and Buckner has to like fall on top with Pay as he's taking him to the ground. Hey, he Stay got away. there at the same time as Quiddy. He got to Which Carr one? like a split second when. Quiddy Pay Buckner? Came on with, yeah, Buckner. Buckner's Buckner's was worse than two rays. Get out of here. No way. No, no, I'm talking about Buckner. Pay was Quiddy Pay was taking him to the ground already. Derek Carr's going down. Derek Carr was standing the white up. flag on the play. And then Buckner decides to jump on top. Man, Cold what are you players, talking about, man? Hold I don't on. care who you are listening to this podcast. I don't care who you are listening. Let Quiddy Pay get his own sacks. Let this man get these stats. Having one total sack after that successful of a night pressure in the quarterback, I'm upset. That's all I got to say. I want to add him to the good of this week because right. he was get, he was right. at least creating pressures and he should have had two sacks on the day as yeah. a rookie. Yeah, and didn't do shit when it mattered. So that's all good, fine and dandy. All right, he's a rookie. Yeah, he doesn't has a point. He has a point. All right, uh, that's gonna be the good for this segment. Obviously, let's get into the bad. Let's start off with Kenny Moore. All right, now you know. Also, for those of you that are listening to the show, y'all are probably wondering, like, oh, my gosh, they're a little too upbeat. That's about to go away here in a little bit, all right? So, Kenny Moore, man, a week after being named Pro Bowler, uh, hard knocks, all the attention, you come out and get your ass whooped, all right? You come out facing Hunter Renfro, who's a really solid player, giving me freaking Wes Walker, Julian Edelman vibes here. Uh, he lost his matchup straight up. He, he, he just lost it. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I, I obviously everybody thinks, oh, he was the walk-on. He was a no-name at Clemson. That doesn't matter, man. You get to the league and you make your name big. Didn't have Waller, didn't have Ruggs, who is clearly away from the team. And he steps up this way. He's already a 1,000-yard receiver. Not having Ruggs, not having Waller, imagine that. He is a really, really, really good receiver. And... When it mattered most, he did not stop Hunter Renfro. He did not win that matchup. And it's very uncharacteristic of what we've seen, which we go back to this team was not ready to play. Kenny Moore getting beat at the line of scrimmage, getting beat in zone, not doing much. And 
it cost us this game covering their number one. He got his ass torched. So got to call, call, call him out, man. He had a very bad day. So I, I, I don't know if you guys are going to see this. And if you're listening to this on a podcast stream, I want you to pause it, look at the timestamp, and I want you to roll over to our YouTube and go look at this because I'm going to show you who terrorized the Colts this past Sunday, all right? This man right here, this right here (laughs) is the man that decided to make the Colts a losing team at home this year. Four and five, this this man right here. Okay. Make sure if you're listening to that podcast, you should, you should, you should go look at that. that, that that'll, uh, I mean, shout, shout out to my buddy Evan Packard, um, if you're listening, for texting me that multiple times on game day to remind me who was kicking the Colts' ass all Sunday. I mean, Kenny Moore, man, I could never be more happy for him getting that Pro Bowler nod, but you would think coming off that week of that high that this would be a week that he can go out and show that and uh he he fell out flat as well and Hunter Renfro's a tough cover I mean he's a tough dude um it's the guy that when Darren Waller's not playing like he wasn't in this one um it's going to be the guy that the Raiders are going to rely on a lot um so Kitty Moore saw a lot of action there's a lot of eyes on that matchup and he lost it he lost the matchup it's on to the next week um we know Kenny Moore is better and that's why he's on the bad this week because we know that this past Sunday was not a characteristical Kenny Moore type day yeah man Kenny got cooked um Kenny got cooked it happens um you have to have a short memory plan in cornerback position we all know that um I know y'all spoke about how great Hunter Renfro played but you can say the same thing for Zay Jones Zay Jones to us tourist up he had over 100 yards receiving so uh you know Kenny Moore you expect better out of being one of your leaders and one of your better players um I think he's a top three player on this defense between him Darius and and DeForest of course but he's the best guy in the third level of the defense uh clearly Kenny does so many different things for this defense and Hunter Renfro's specializes in short area quickness that that's his specialty and he he skates out there man he cuts they even moved him in a, a backfield so Kenny Moore can't get a hand on him at the line of scrimmage uh it was a difficult cover for Kenny uh both of these teams circled that matchup because they knew that those that that was a money matchup Kenny knew coming into this game what Hunter Info can do that he was on the borderline of a thousand yards before he entered the game and Kenny was aware of that Kenny knew the challenge in hand. He just didn't perform. And I'm very confident that he'll come out next week and have a great game because that's just who he is as a person. He knows he he didn't play up to his standard. And that's what happened when you when you campaign, you get the Pro Bowl nod, man, them lights is on you. And, and we even heard the announcers referring to him as a Pro Bowler consistently during that game and was saying that Hunter Renfro looked more like the Pro Bowl guy, not Kenny Moore. Yep, going on, moving on here. We'll try it, guys. Trust me. We'll get to Carson Wentz in a minute, but right now, <laughs> fourth quarter defense, fourth quarter defense, and it's it's been a little something that we've touched on. Obviously, if you've been following us for a while, I've touched on it a lot. I have given Matt Eberflus his credit for the way this team has been performing the last month or so, but once again, and this is I didn't even realize this until I went back and looked at the schedule, you know, looked at, you know, what this season has been. 
six games, six losses, six go-ahead touchdown losing drives. When the money is on the line, this team cannot get a stop. That's bad. And that's another reason, again, why I am pushing for Matt Eberflus to chase a head coaching job. Too much passiveness, not enough aggression, no go-killer mentality, too passive for me. Ten points allowed in the fourth quarter. Ten points. You allowed seven in the first, six in the second, shut them out in the third, came back and allowed ten. Why? I have no idea. Why this team loses juice juice in the fourth quarter? Why? I have no idea. I don't. But I'm kind of tired of seeing it. Six games. Six losses because the defense could not seal the deal when it mattered most. L.A. Rams. March right down. Okay. Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. Hot team. Okay. Lamar Jackson. Overtime. Clearly gave that game up. Tennessee in overtime. Couldn't get a stop. Tom Brady. End the game. Tied up. 31-31. Couldn't get a stop. Derek Carr. Couldn't get a stop. So, second half defense. Fourth quarter defense. Is going to be what hurts this team. Ultimately. I'm pushing for a Super Bowl run. but. Fourth quarter defense, and I actually pulled it up. In fourth quarter defense, we rank 28th in yards allowed, 29th in points allowed. That's not championship football, and that's why Matt Eberflus will be gone this offseason. Um, it, it's tough because – you could make the argument that a lot of teams go to a softer zone type in those last drives just because they're trying to really take away the big plays. They're really trying to make them uh, get the little check downs and chew time. I mean, go look at the Cardinals game. It works that game. Um, the Cardinals have nothing deep. They have to chew way too much time up um, going down the field, and it makes it near impossible um, for them to come back. And there's sometimes where the Ravens, where it doesn't matter. Um, you, there's some games where you can give them a little bit of a pass, like the Ravens, they're playing with fourth and fifth string corners. But then you go back and you see one of those fourth and fifth string corners get left on an island and against Hollywood Brown, and uh, what happens, happens. <laughs> it, it, it's a tough situation because, to me, when you have a solid pass rush going, Eberflus's defensive scheme – is one that can work in the NFL. You have to have constant pass rush to make it where the soft zone doesn't have enough time to be eaten up. The problem is when that zone has enough time, especially against veteran quarterbacks, you're going to lose the matchup. It's just going to happen. It's just how the defense is set up. And the defense is set up against good quarterbacks to blow leads um, in the second half for that reason. Now – We'll see what happens because when Frank Reich and Eberflus both coach their best days, I mean, this, this team is very hard to beat. Very, very hard. The guys are playing at a high level. The defense in the second half of the year has really stepped up a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm just interested to see what the playoff push looks like. 
Um, do I think he'll be back? I don't know. I mean, he might get a head coaching job somewhere. Um, I'd be shocked if the Colts fired him per se, um, just because you don't really see the Colts do that very often. Um, but hey, we'll 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 see how it goes. When when this next week? So before I can ca- keep talking about the playoffs, I guess. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and I'm not gonna kill you, Flus, too much. Uh, I thought he'd made improvements throughout the season. I thought he got a lot better at disguising his coverages. Uh, that was uh, something I had a real big problem with it, with him in the beginning. He's basically showing you what you was going to get. It, it wasn't much mystery to it, but now he's doing a lot of different things, a lot of different coverages. He's mixing it up. But at the end of the game, Mike said, Mike said it best. It gets pretty vanilla. Uh, Dustin referred to it saying it worked against Arizona, and it did. And I think – each game, it should be a case-by-case basis, you know, what type of defense you go. You should really predicate it on the quarterback you're facing, the offense that you're facing, and you got to be able to tweak that. The same game plan, the same soft coverage is not going to work in all situations. There are some quarterbacks that will shred that, and it depends a lot on the offensive line you're facing. If you're able to get pressure, it, Derek Carr didn't have a bunch of time to throw the ball uh, uh, often. You know, he was just making plays. He, it was a few times Quiddy went upfield, uh, DeForest Buckner got through, Teray, a couple of times, and we just wasn't getting home. And, and we was there. But Derek Hart made a lot of plays, so credit to him, hats off to him. The cornerbacks looked like there wasn't no sense of urgency. They were sitting off, and it just made it too easy. It was at no point in time that I feel comfortable, or do I ever feel comfortable, when the Colts have to kick off to somebody and they're going to have the ball last, I always feel like this defense don't get a turnover, then they're going to lose the game because we're so turnover predicated. And we all know turnovers is not something that you can count on week in and week out in order to get stops. You have to eventually manufacture three and outs and and get off the field on third downs. That's the problem with this defense. They, They don't get off the field at all. If it's not a turnover, then more than, more than likely the offense is going to score in the closing moments, especially when you're playing against elite-level quarterbacks. And that's all the Colts are going to see in the playoffs. So, you know, with guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, these are the guys that's waiting on the Colts. And the Colts have shown life against some of them, but I, I have no confidence. If it comes down to 34-34 game and one of those elite guys is getting the ball to start the drive from their own 20, with two minutes left, it's pretty much ball game if the Colts don't manufacture a turnover. And speaking, oh, let's get into it. Speaking of a quarterback stepping up, making plays, man, we got to talk about this, man. We, oh, I've been holding off this conversation, but man, I can't hold it off any longer, man. Carson Wentz is, is really starting to irk my nerve. He is really starting to do that. Irk my nerve. He he is. Put whoo. that put that put that on a hat, Mike. Put that on You're a right. shirt. What do you mean a hat? A shirt? A flag? Put it they, in the. They put can't, it in front the of your house. People can't see your shirts on the podcast. Right. Okay, I'll make it in a beanie then. Okay, I, the the new podcast name, Irk My Nerve Podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but Carson making the quarterback position seem like rocket science. Too much, too much holding the ball too long. Missing Zach Pascal wide freaking open 
throwing to him like he's eight foot damn tall. The the pocket is obviously collapsing, but what am I going to do? No, I'm not going to step up in the pocket. I'm not going to do the smart thing. I'm going to sit my ass back and continue to try to throw the football. Trying to compose myself, actually. 16 of 27, 148 yards. One touchdown, no interceptions to his credit. Still had a couple of stupid shovel passes trying to get rid of the football. But it's time that this conversation be had. Rashad and I have defended him, and we still I think I'm not gonna speak for Rashad until he goes, but I still think Carson Wentz can still we can still win with him. But this play, especially like yesterday, doing stupid stuff, missing throws, inconsistent accuracy. I mean, even last week against Arizona, nothing but field in front of him. Critical third down. He overthrows Jonathan Taylor. He's at the line of scrimmage, stepping up in the pocket. Last minute, throws it to Jonathan Taylor. Incompletion, got a punt. This game, man, the play, the game just happened yesterday, but it happened again. Step up into the pocket, and he overthrows, I believe it was Zach Pascal. Step right up into the pocket, has a first down. On a third and nine, throws it away. Dude. We always say there's those quarterbacks that are looking to run first. He's never looking to run. It's always pass, pass, pass. I'm not sure if I'm the only one that's ever noticed that. When the pocket is collapsing, he tries to stay in the pocket. He wants to stay in until he's really forced to get outside or step up. And even if he steps up, he's still looking to pass. Dude, pull pull the ball down. Take off. Go get yardage. Get something. Stuff like that is really what pisses me off when I watch Carson Wentz. Missing throws, all this stuff, it's ultimately what is going to lose us a game in the playoffs. Assuming we get to the playoffs, it's what's going to kill this team. Again, preseason, pass rush, quarterback is what's going to determine how this season goes. It's gone well, better than I thought it would. But ultimately, Carson Wentz playing like that, the way he did against the Patriots, the way he did against the Raiders, the way he did against the Titans the first time, the way he did against Seattle, that is not going to cut it. 148 yards against a playoff caliber AFC team. What are we doing? I've said many times, don't be the Titans. Don't be heavily reliant on Jonathan Taylor. And that's exactly who we've become that's exactly who we've become and it says playoff exit all over this team i want to believe in the team to get to the super bowl but right now we look like the damn titans so i mean this is going to sound like a weird comparison um but i mean when you're talking about how carson's big issue is that he like he wants to make the pass so much that he just doesn't take the running lane i mean early on i mean that was one of andrew luck's biggest cons he he was so focused on wanting to make the big play like he wanted to wait on it and wait on it and wait on that big play I think that's part of the reason when Carson doesn't take the little dumps off dump offs to Jonathan Taylor the little dump offs to Mo Alley Cox that we see that he doesn't take so often instead I mean we saw it in the Cardinals game where it works out it works out for the Colts where he forces a ball through two defenders to Ashton Doolin puts it exactly where it has to be the catch is made ends up being like a 30-yard completion but he has Jonathan Taylor by himself with room to run right in front of him. 
and he, and he chooses the harder he chooses the harder path. He makes the play, so no one's going to bat an eye at it. But those are the kind of things that'll frustrate me more when when it gets into the playoff time because if you get Jonathan Taylor the ball in space, anything can happen. A- anything can happen. I understand sometimes it's not the it's not the one that the quarterback wants to do because the quarterback wants to be able to go out and make those big plays. And you can tell that's who Carson is. He's that kind of competitor. Um, I'm not, I don't think he's going to be the reason we lose in the playoffs per se. Like I've just not been that turned off by, I think he's had bad games. I think there's things to criticize about Carson Wentz. Um, But I, I wouldn't even say he was, the main reason we lose against the Raiders. I mean, it just when you're that disconnected in all three phases of football, you're not going to win a football game. It doesn't matter if it was a three-point game in the end. Like, they were better in all three phases of football. If you go through the entire day, you're going to lose that football game. Like, plain and simple, it's going to happen. Now, in the big play that I was blaming Carson Wentz the most on when I was at the stadium – was the non-completion to T.Y. Hilton when he's by himself running on near the sideline. And at first, you watch that play, Carson doesn't really step into the throw. Um, he's by himself. doesn't. He's not being rushed. He has no reason not to step into the throw, but he doesn't. And then you re-watch it, and you see T.Y. Hilton stop at the 30-yard line, just stutters, hesitates right there, throws his hand up. And then as soon as the ball is thrown, he goes full speed and is not able to get to it. Because of that hesitation – that, that incompletion is made. It's just think little things like that, I feel like, is just what didn't let the passing game get started. And, and just the fact that you don't have any receiver outside of Pittman that can constantly get separation right now. Even if Paris Campbell, you can't count on him to stay healthy, Paris Campbell's going to get separation. Like, throw him out there when he's healthy. Like, you, you got to have somebody else making plays on this offense. Like, you just can't have these receiver fours and fives playing receiver twos and threes anymore. Yeah, and that was going to be my uh, angle since you guys kind of covered it pretty much. But I wanted to take a different approach and just talk about the skill players that, that Carson is throwing the ball to. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, we know what the, what the backs do. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines is another person who has six touches, then couldn't get anything going with the ball. But Carson is throwing to one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL. Let's be honest here. Um, I believe the Colts have a bottom, what, six, seven receiving core in the NFL, possibly. Uh, the number two receiver, I believe, is, is T.Y. Hilton. I, I think T.Y. Hilton hasn't cracked 300 yards this season. I think I think you're right. I think he's at like 280. Yeah. I don't know who it was on Twitter, but somebody made a point that made it even sound worse than like a 28th receiving core. If you take every team's receiver one out of their – room the receiver room mm-hmm. is is there a team you would say is worse than the colts receiving core right now if you take receiver one out the room oh jesus uh is tight ends included no just receivers just receivers i can think of maybe one or two texans jaguars the texans would be one that i would say i mean the the, the no I'd jaguars take the, health, the jaguars healthy i'd take that room over yeah. it yeah, I take because they will still have they will still have chart, right? I say I think Houston and Detroit are the two that if you take their number one receiver out, that I would take our room yeah. over. But like, yeah, it might, it's, it's it might bad. Be, Detroit might be it. It's, Detroit, it's, Detroit, yeah, in Houston. 
like it's it's a bad it's a bad situation right now. Like the Colts have needed a receiver too for a long time, but this is like this is bad, bad man. Like this is this this is this is dire ages. Yeah, and 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 that's was one thing I always worried about with Ty. I knew once he started to age, it would be almost like falling off a cliff because he just doesn't have the size. You know, he was so so speed dependent and, and separate, getting in and out of his breaks. And now that he doesn't have that explosiveness. It's just hard for him to find. Throwing to him looks so tough on a, a, a play-to-play basis because of the amount of separation he gets. All of his catches seem to be contested. It, it, it's so difficult to complete a pass to him at this time. Ashton Doolin's just not polished as a wide receiver. He has the speed. We see him time to time uh, make a catch every now and then. Zach Pascal has had a Jekyll and Hyde year, man. Like, I remember the first couple of games, he was catching a touchdown every game. I think he had three touchdowns in the first two games or something like that. And then he just fell off a cliff. He, he so, doesn't even get run in the red zone anymore. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah. He, he, he's not in red zone packages anymore. Desmond Patman is in red zone packages right now over Zach Pascal. Like, it, it's been ridiculous. It, it obviously – just by you saying that, Frank Wright is looking for answers too. He's he's well aware of it, and he's trying to make changes, small changes, but definitely changes to to try to get something going. Man, it's it's difficult right now. So Carson is not exactly surrounded by the type of talent that he needs. I think Carson is a fairly slightly above average quarterback, and and those type of guys, in order for those guys to win, they need everything around him to be perfect. And I think that's the type of quarterback that Carson is. I think you can win with him if you place him in the right setting and you place the right guys around him. He's good enough to get it done. Is he without, going to win? Without Go saying any, without saying any names, if I said is is Carson went to top fifteen guy, I feel like most people in Colts Nation from Washington this year should be able to say yes right away. Like I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd say he's a top fifteen I'd say he quarterback. Is. Yeah, he's not above twelve though. No. I think he's – I think you could make an argument in the 12 to 12 15, to 15. Yeah, yeah. In that range is probably where I have him fall. And that's why I have him. And with those type of guys, in my opinion, they need the, – you can win with those type of guys, but you need the right situation around him. Similar to Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he's the guy that went to the Super Bowl, but he had great situation around him. He had a lights-out defense. He had skills players that was good. He had an offensive – genius you know scheming up plays for him like he's he's Carson Wentz is in that type of mode for me you know I don't think he's bad and he hasn't been bad and he has been good at protecting the football he hasn't turned it over a bunch that was his Achilles heel last year he's been better at that but it's some of these throws you just have to make Carson and and I can't make excuses for you Uh, the decision making has to improve you know you're, you're not the most mechanically sound a fundamental guy you're throwing off your back foot and I know you like to throw off platform you like to throw at the weird arm angles that that's your thing and you're a playmaker and I never want to take that away from you because that's what makes you who you are that is why the coach have a higher ceiling with a player like you than as to when we had Philip Rivers in my opinion that's what you are you're an athlete so we want you to keep that but you just got to make better decisions out there, man. You just have to make better decisions, smarter decisions. Take what the defense is giving you, and that's it, man. Yeah. Y- y'all hit it on, on the ne- on the head of the nail. Now, I wouldn't go as far as to say everything has to be perfect around him because I think when you talk about 
Jacoby Brissett, that's what you need. If you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, that's what you need. If you talk about Kirk Cousins, that's what you need. Carson Wentz, again, he drug some Popeye's cashiers to the playoffs in 2019. That play of Carson Wentz, that's what I want. That's what I haven't seen in the last month. Uh, Outside of that fourth quarter against Arizona, that 2019 December of Carson Wentz, that's what I want to see. If that Carson Wentz shows up, I'll take our chances going to the Super Bowl. I will. But tight ends, no one is having giving an effort to get open. That's why I said go get Zach Ertz, who is still athletically there. Chemistry is already there. Get you a number two, whatever the case may be. Getting into the last thing about something bad, I just got to highlight it. Braden Smith, bad, won't spend Ooh. too much time on it. Braden Smith got his Jeez. ass kicked against Max Crosby. Pressure all over the place. Most of the pressure came from that right side. The whole game, Matt Pryor did well against Yannick Ngakwe. Braden Smith straight up got his ass whooped against Max Crosby. Didn't help whatsoever. In the run game, he was not good. Didn't set the edge well at all. Didn't pin a defensive lineman inward, outward, anything. He got controlled. So definitely need to be better by uh, Braden Smith. I mean, again, people are going to say that – him not having a lot of practices with the guys on the offensive line this week probably affected that. But Frank Reich said it best. If you're on the field, you have to play up to standards of this football team. And Braden Smith didn't. I mean, I'm not trying to get in the, all onto the personal side of the things that have been going on. But, I mean, Ryan Kelly had missed more practice than anyone, had more heart-pulling things going on than any football player on the field this past Sunday. And Ryan Kelly, I didn't see him lose an individual rep on Sunday. And I'm not trying to compare what um, the Kellys had to go through um, to these guys Mm -hmm. coming off of COVID. That's not like my intent in the slightest if you're listening to that. I'm just saying I don't want to hear any excuses for these guys that had to miss practice when a guy like Ryan Kelly had even had a heartbreaking situation that no one wants to ever be put in. And he went out there and played his ass off. So I don't want to hear excuses from anybody else for any other reason of why those practice mispractices affect your play on Sunday. I just don't. Uh, Braden Smith, you know, you got to be better. You're, you're, you're better than this. Uh, you got the bag in the offseason. And up until this point, you, you've earned it. Besides getting your ass whooped in week one, you have been great. When you came back off your injury, you was playing phenomenal. So uh, I won't get too you know, I won't come down too hard on you because you it, it's just one bad outing. This is the outlier. And Mike just wanted an offensive lineman to put it on the paper because he couldn't blame Eric Fisher for nothing this week due to the fact that he didn't play. So that's what it was. That's what it really was. So sorry, Braden. You just had to be – you had to catch the brunt of the joke because Eric Fisher wasn't there to blame this week. So, wait, are you denying that he played horribly? <laughs> no, nah, he played like shit, but okay. I just <laughs> – <laughs> on the record all right i just wanted he's that just on the saying record. that if eric fisher would have played on sunday oh, he would have got his ass you, you would have directed your hate elsewhere yeah exactly. we probably wouldn't have even scored 20 points so yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways guys that is all the time we're gonna have for this episode again we're gonna get into all kinds of playoffs who we might want to face if we can beat jacksonville of course uh josh allen might whoop eric fisher's ass again in this one if he is able to play hopefully health is always going to be the number one uh thing but other than that guys bummer start to 2022 but again the super bowl run starts 
this week. Frank Reich said it. Playoffs start this week again. So thank you once again for Fansided having us as the official Colts podcast for you guys, as always. Destin, welcome back. Of course, Uncle Mike's going to get my nephew some TCU gear. That way we have a winning tradition in the Adams house household. Uh, oh, Rashad, he, he does like he, 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 he does like to puke on purple. So, oh, OK, uh, maybe maybe oh. we could use red and white for the puking. OK, maybe we could <laughs> do a little bit of that. Anyways, oh. guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a little red and yellow for, for Rashad as well. <laughs> Anyways, guys, have a good week. We will be back at it with you once again later on this week for the season finale of the regular season. Colts heading to Jacksonville. We, we will see you then. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We will see you then. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.